another megachurch pastor falls away. And I bet you can guess why, and I can bet you can guess some of his excuses. ChristianLeaders.com comes out with their top 100 Christians to follow on Twitter. I wonder how that one's going to look. And five ways you can see that your church is headed towards progressive Christianity. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin, and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a number of stories, specifically today, something that happened. I was just reading through a number of articles, and I've honestly never heard of this pastor, but they're calling him a mega church pastor, and his name is David Gass. And David, it's G-A-S-S. I don't know if it's Gass or not, but... Uh, from reading this, it seems as though uh, that would fit. But um, I was reading through this article of him recanting his faith. And this just seems so popular to do now. It seems like this is the way to go, um, you know, with the Joshua Harris's and the Samson of, not Samson, but uh, and Marty Samson over there at Hillsong. And, and these guys, uh, they come out with their, you know, recantation of faith. And each time... There's like these little markers that you can see within them. And specifically, this guy, and I would draw a parallel, a really, really clear parallel with Joshua Harris. But he had a few excuses, and maybe you've heard of these before. And for you guys who've studied history (laughs) at all, uh, you studied theology at all, I mean, even for 15, 20 minutes, um, maybe even a Wikipedia page, to think this guy said literally that when he was in the eighth grade studying Greek mythology, that it dawned on him how much the supernatural interactions of those deities are so similar to God and the God of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I studied Greek mythology. Uh, I, I think we did in the sixth grade, not the eighth grade as much, maybe a little bit in eighth grade, but uh, sixth grade, you do e- Egyptian history, I believe, in the first uh, semester, and then Greek mythology in the second semester, or vice versa. And I do not ever, and I wasn't even a believer as a kid, but I do not ever thinking like, oh yeah, this seems very similar to the biblical context. This seems very similar to the four and a half, I guess you can call, uh, I would say the book of Acts is a biography written by Luke of the apostles. And uh, I believe some in the early church called it the gospel of the Holy Spirit for a reason, because that's where you really see the Holy Spirit acting out in, in time with people. But I, I don't see these four biographies of a literal person living on earth, okay, in the person of Jesus Christ telling us exactly the actions that he performed, all the things that he did. Um, I mean... <sighs> It's just nonsense. When you when you see it in the Old Testament, when you read the Genesis all the way through Malachi, um, I mean, there's absolutely no parallel whatsoever. And so when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's really funny that he would say that. 
I think that's a really interesting take to have. And then he says what is really the truth. He says that his marriage was a sham and it was a constant source of pain for him. He did everything he was supposed to do, workshops and counseling and Bible reading and date nights, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And that it just wasn't there. It was the marriage, you know, that he was promised. It just wasn't as he expected. And for me, when when the truth comes out of this story, because he got called out after he came out and he said, the church, I love you. I sincerely apologize. I've been studying all these things. Justin Shuttle, a deacon at Grace Family Fellowship, actually called him out. And he said, yes, he was my pastor when he, quote, walked away. He actually just slept with a married woman in the church and got caught. He never repented, and they still lived together. Said last year all the information came to light. The affair happened for almost a year before it was even uncovered. So this whole I did everything right in my marriage was kind of funny until I saw how many people liked his story. And that's the truth. This guy is an adulterer, okay? And I can't imagine that it didn't start with, oops, I'm slipped and fell on top of this woman and now I'm in adultery. I would guess that while he was searching theology, he was probably searching porn. Just a guess. Um, it's just, in all honesty, when I see those patterns, um, it, they're, they're always so apparent. I mean, honestly, when you see these things from people that claim Christianity and then, oh, I was following and all this, blah, 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 blah. And then I just, I couldn't believe it anymore. The belief is always accompanied. I'm sorry. It's always accompanied. The disbelief, I should say, is always accompanied with their reprobation. It's always accompanied with their sinful desires. Their sensual lusts typically coincide with those things. And one thing that happens, I believe, and if we read Second Peter, I think we get some insight into this very clearly. Second Peter chapter 1 specifically, when it comes to people being blind and short-sighted, when it comes to people turning away from the faith, when it comes to people doing exactly what he did and suppressing now the truth in unrighteousness. Notice how that's, that, that wordage is, use, is used in Romans chapter 1, that they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I believe that their unrighteousness is always linked to their suppression of truth. I think that a lot of times they want to practice their wicked deeds And so what they do is they hold down the truth so it no longer is a bother to them. They sear their conscience as with a hot iron. They no longer listen to the calls of the Holy Spirit to repent. And so when they do those things, what happens is they become blind and short-sighted. You know, it's almost like this, uh, this effect that you see happen all the time at funerals. Of, I mean, some wicked people and people get up there and they all remember the good things of the guy who passed away, but in all honesty, was a dirtbag most of his life, right? And, oh, he was this and he was sweet and he was that. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And you see that. But when you see this falling from grace, what'll happen is, and this will happen in marriages too, where people don't remember the, you know, when they're in the struggle and having these problems, they don't remember all the beautiful times, the the, the loving times, the dinners, the, the laughing, the joy that they had with their partner of their youth, as, as the Bible describes it, all, all, all the beautiful pictures that we have that God allows us to be in when it comes to a marriage covenant. And people forget all those wonder, wonderful things and they throw them aside. 
And you know that can actually happen as Second Peter chapter 1 goes in, when you become blind and short-sighted and do not practice righteousness. And I'm going to read a little extensive uh, piece because of Scripture because I believe it's really important on this subject. And this is what it says concerning the qualities of the Holy Spirit. Um, it says in verse 3 of chapter 1 of Second Peter, it says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. For now this is the very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, yeah, diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Can't do that cheating on your wife. And in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Now, here's the thing. We got all those beautiful, beautiful, wonderful qualities, and Pastor Joe at Blessed Hope Chapel here did an amazing message series on those specific texts going through the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God and and all these different things that can pour out to us and the pillars of faith that we have here. And hopefully we can drop a link for that series for you guys because that was a really powerful series here at the church. And I, specifically on this text, teaching at the Rescue Mission, teaching in the Philippines, I've probably taught on these texts more than any text in all of Scripture. Uh, that or Ezekiel 18, those are two of my favorites to teach from. But but these texts, I think they're so powerful for us. But here's the thing that connects Mr. Gass here, verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that it talks about the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love when he talks about the attributes. It's all diligence in your faith, supplying that moral excellence. Because the problem is if all you do is try to, you know, clean your whitewashed tomb, that's going to be a problem. And if all you're doing is trying to gain knowledge and things about God without having a true knowledge of a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's all for naught. It's, there's nothing actually that you're growing in. You can't practice and love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, but not actually love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, you actually have to love him. You actually have to come into a relationship with him. And it says this in verse 9, For he who lacks these qualities, what were all those qualities we just talked about? For the you who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. Here's important having forgotten his purification from his former sins. You can become so hard-hearted that you forget any of the beauty of the gospel. I believe that is what this is saying. You can become so blind and some so short-sighted that you can forget your for first love. You can come to a place where you don't even remember the things that you once held and knew were true. In the 20 years this guy pastored, I am sure, knowing the truths of the gospel and studying through them, are, I am sure there are times in, in those 20 years where he looked at information and studied and said, there's no way this is not true because that's the truth of the gospel. The one thing that we have on our side it's a huge thing, is that what we believe is true. It's not just a good philosophy. It's not just a good idea. What we have in our hands when it comes to the gospel message, what we have in our hands when it comes to the gospel truth is 
is that it's true. Especially the, the Gospel of John was very, very specific about truth and about us understanding that what we believe is true. And I believe that's because it was by the Spirit of Jesus Christ himself, who is what? The way, the truth, and the life. That's one thing is that we when we look at what is, you know, why follow Jesus? Why do these things? Because it's true ultimately. And the fact is, is that his creative order has been made evident within each person. He's made it evident within them, it says in Romans chapter one. We know better, okay? Our conscience bears witness against us. The Holy Spirit goes out and convicts the whole world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We have an awesome God who calls us to repentance and then tells for those who repent, follow these things in your diligence, guys. Just as Philippians 2.12 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. These are things you're supposed to do is you're supposed to seek after God. Always remember each and every time, if you feel far from God, he is the unmoved mover. He doesn't move. You are the one who has moved. You seek and you you grind and you go after him. You agonize, agonize, strive towards that door, towards that gate to Jesus. Don't be the coward who sleeps with someone's wife and then says, well, I just don't believe any of it. Oh, why? Maybe because you feel guilty about your sin and you'd rather not feel guilty and you'd rather sleep with someone else's wife. You coward. I'm sorry. That's disgusting. Nothing more repugnant than a person in power. Okay. A person that's supposed to be watching over your souls, as it says in Hebrews chapter 13. And while he's what, instead of watching over your souls, he's watching over your wife and sleeps with them and then has the cowardly act to come out in front of his congregation and act like he was the moral person. And I'm so sorry. I love you guys. I'm sincere about this, but you know what? I'm going to leave my congregation. This makes my blood boil. This stuff is cowardly and it's disgusting. And I, and whenever I hear about this, that's why I've, I've done articles and, and talked about Joshua Harris leaving the faith because guess what? You have Joshua Harris not only leaving the faith, but now he's like dressing up like a woman and, and putting long hair on or something on Instagram and Snapchat videos and he's going to gay parades and stuff. And it's always comes and coincides with this wicked, sinful desire. All of a sudden, it's like the armor's off and they can just go full bore into their sin and gas here needs to repent. I, I'm sorry, but when somebody has congregations and flocks that are following him and they have big falls, it's something that breaks my heart. It hurts me because I know it hurts the body and I don't care what they're teaching. I know they're, I don't know much about this guy or, or, or who he is, but I know full well there are people that will be affected. There are people that will be affected. Now his um, different people have come out about him and said that he never really knew the gospel. And I don't I don't want to say, I don't know that. I don't know if that's true. But this was a quote that someone wrote. He said, quote, Bible knowledge left alone cannot and will not save you. That's a fact. Okay, just growing and learning things about God is not going to save you. Just learning information and anecdotal evidence is not going to save you. Knowing every single argument when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ won't, will, won't save you. Knowing the Kalam cosmological argument will not save you. Having every single argument in your arsenal to put in your back pocket will not save you. You actually have to know and revere and love on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must kiss the son lest he be angry. You need to come to him 
and submit to him, not just about information. And guys, I am somebody who loves apologetics. I never stop reading. I woke up at 3 a.m. and started reading about the authorship of Matthew and why Bart Ehrman's wrong on the subject, okay? Because that is what my life is about. I love studying theology. I love studying apologetics. But if my relationship with Christ was simply learning information about him, and not going at his feet and not saying, God, I want to know you more through your word. I want to know you more through your spirit. I want to know you more, Lord. I just want to know you, and I want my kids to know you. I want the people who hear me to know you. I want the family down the street to know you. I want the non-believers to know you. I want them to have a true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and not become blind, not become short-sighted, and not become a coward like this guy. I'm sorry, this guy needs repentance, to come out and do this and act as if you were, you know, there was nothing. I I tried so hard in my marriage as I slept with someone else, as I slept with someone else who was also married. Use his position of power to do that. It's so disgusting and it it hurts my heart. Speaking of hurting my heart, (laughs) I went through the top 100 Christian leaders to follow on Twitter, according to ChristianLeaders.com. And I talked with Joe, uh, Pastor Joe, before I went through this because I had planned on going through a number of these teachers, but he says, and um, you'll have to email us and then I'll forward that email that you'll have to keep him on it, that he wants to go through some of these guys specifically in those top 10 um, uh, because he wants to dig into some of their teaching and some of the things they teach. And some of them we've already gone through um, at, at length even. And I think, honestly, when I look at this list, I think one of the, you know, more troubling things is that I'm not surprised, <laughs> one, I figured who would be getting most follows. And this is literally anyone who would be, quote unquote, considered a Christian and how, how many followers they have on Twitter. Okay. And I'm guessing if I gave you the top 10, I think that most Christians who've been listening and paying attention could probably guess about six of them, okay? Six six to ten, uh, especially if they knew the parameters of what Christianity means to ChristianLeaders.com. But um, I think it's really funny, and if you guys if you guys want to check it out, you can go to ChurchLeaders.com and, and find the top 100 Christian leaders to follow. And I'm going to read down the list, and I'm not going to go in deep because supposedly, according to Joe, we'll be going deep on the Good Fight Radio show on this, but uh, I, I want to check these out so you guys can see them. I'll start with number 10, which I know it's Friday today. This last Tuesday, we just came came out with a, a podcast show on the Good Fight Radio show titled, This Person is Dangerous, and this person is Beth Moore. She has almost a million followers on Twitter. Okay, Beth Moore is the number 10 in the top 100 Christian leaders to follow list. Number 10. Number nine is John Piper. Now, John Piper here, I I would say in this list of top 10, in terms of orthodoxy, he's the closest thing to orthodoxy. We would have giant, big, giant disagreements with him on a number of things. One would obviously be his Calvinistic leanings. Um, We we would totally disagree with him on those. Uh, And then also some of the ways he's ushered people 
back into the fray, uh, I would say, of Christianity when it came to a lot of people having question marks of Mark Driscoll and he, he, no, please guys, accept him back. A lot of people having question marks about Rick Warren. No, guys, I'll do this interview. We'll sit down. Please accept him back. And some of the people that he's had on stage with him at the passion conferences and whatnot. So I would say that we have some real big struggles. But I would say John. I would still consider John Piper somebody that's not completely outside of orthodoxy. The next name was one that, in all honesty, I've only known this guy as being somewhat of a uh, provocateur. I would say, and not really a Christian. I didn't even know he considered himself a Christian. I didn't. There's nothing in his bio. I had no idea about this. I would just get annoyed by some of his posts. And this is Black Lives Matter activist Sean King. Yes, Sean King is number eight in the top 100 Christians to follow on the ChristianLeaders.com website. And I scrolled through yesterday, just did a light scroll through his page. He has over a million followers, and I didn't find anything that would be deemed biblical or Christian in any way. He mostly just rails at and gets upset with racist people. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for being upset with racist people and disgusting individuals in the way they act, but he seems to that only be his mission. That's his only mission. I don't, I don't really understand that much. So let's keep going down the list. We have number seven, Max Lucado. And if you go through Max's page, just a couple of scrolls down, you're going to find a nice picture of him and Bill Johnson of Bethel as they were appear, appeared on Huckabee together. And of course, every time you got a guy, they for some reason <laughs> these guys want to link up with Bethel, man. I I just don't understand it. And um, the plan is, and and I'm gonna hold Joe to it. The first video series when we have the studio ready, the first video series that we do in that studio for Good Fight Radio is going to be on Bethel because I want you guys to see how dangerous Bethel really is. And we talk about Bethel at a little bit of length and their sozo prayer and some of the witchcraft they're really doing over there. Uh, in an earlier podcast that you guys can check out, but anybody linking arms with them, that's a that's a major problem. <sighs> Move on to number six, Rick Warren. Of course, the purpose-driven pastor Rick Warren at the number six. We have, please just go check out our Submerging Church DVD. Um, it, it's a lot of it has to do with Rick Warren, so I'd love for you guys to check it out and see some of the ways he is very, very uh, deceitful, deceptive. If you don't believe us, you can just click on YouTube, type in Good Fight Ministries, Rick Warren, Fork Tongue, okay? And you can see him lying on camera if you want to do that. Now, number five is John Maxwell. I honestly don't have a lot of information on him. I did talk with Joe about him because I said, I have no idea who this guy is. Now, He's a little different in terms of his followership on on Twitter because most of these guys follow like 100, maybe 200 people and have millions of followers. This guy follows 466,000 people. So that would obviously bring up your follower list because a lot of these guys are following in order to be followed. So it's just one of those things. I, I, I thought uh, he's more of... I guess Joe said he was he's big into leadership and I think more of the uh, seeker sensitive, uh, so to speak. And uh, I'm sure if we go over this with Joe, he'll go a little deeper on that. Number four is T.D. Jakes. 
Yes, the modalist <laughs> T.D. Jakes. A lot of people don't know that, but he is not only uh, you know, a prosperity preacher, but he's also a modalist. He's really not a Trinitarian. He doesn't believe. Um, he believes that God goes into modes and he becomes the Father. He becomes the Son. It's very oneness Pentecostal. Then you add all the other junk uh, with the prosperity gospel with it, and that's what you get. And it's sad because... When guys are dynamic speakers, and he's someone a dynamic speaker, you you really just would hope that they had a true gospel, and they don't, uh, and it's and it's really heartbreaking. Number three, and sadly, I, I think uh, when it comes to this list, <laughs> it's sad that number three is a sports player. <laughs> it's Tim Tebow. You know, you got uh, you got a whole list of Christian leaders to follow, and, and instead of it being pastors who deliver the word uh, clear, for, you know, clearly to people uh, for them to listen and to hear, you got Tim Tebow as number three. Then number two, Joyce Meyer, of course. Joyce Meyer. I actually was surprised she was all the way up number two. I thought some other guys would beat her out, but number two is Joyce Meyer, and we'll have to do a whole shindig on her because she's got some pretty whack stuff. Um, obviously, prosperity leaning, um, Jesus being beat up by the devil in hell, and all and all that nonsense. So, and number one, we if you know anything or pay attention to anything towards Christianity or so called. You should not be surprised to hear that Joel Osteen is the number one Christian to follow on Twitter. Not if you want to go to heaven, but he's the number one according to ChristianLeaders.com, according to the number of Twitter followers. Uh, I'm sure this thing will be redacted and changed soon enough to add the Justin Biebers and the Kanye Wests and all those. Um, you can see those happening. And and I'm not, I'm not talking about Kanye West on this today, but I would like to give that a little time to... Um, time to roast. Um, I do know that uh, he recently had a conference or something, and um, I believe the gospel was actually clearly presented not by him, but by a pastor there, um, which, you know, that's pretty awesome, regardless of what he's doing. I don't know. Sometimes I, you know, I'm wondering because he's a, an artist, you know, and sometimes this stuff is just artistic endeavors. Uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix did that for a long time, reacted like a homeless dude, <laughs> you know. So I'm worried about that. I look about that. But I am always, I'm just going to put this out there. I'm always on the side of, I, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting that you really came to the gospel. I'm not rooting for people's downfall. That's not my side. That's not me. That's not my heart. I've had plenty of friends that are that way. When it comes to people repenting and following the gospel and coming to the little Lord Jesus, I've had a lot of friends that they're almost waiting for someone to fall. And I'm like, no, I, I think that's that's horrible. I, I want everyone to have victory in Christ. And if he's one of them, praise God, that'd be awesome. And if he truly does quit, the uh, second music and comes out and says, hey, I was involved in some wicked stuff, especially with his Yeezus album and some of the Antichrist stuff that he was involved in and makes a public declaration of repentance on that. I think that would be awesome. And I pray for that. I think that would be really cool. I, I think someone wrote to him and said, hey, can you get Joe to try to talk to him, you know, and say, hey, what about this satanic stuff that you were involved in? And uh, I wrote my first article for Good Fight Ministries was called, was on Kanye West and is Jesus your homeboy. So um, I, I've been paying attention and, and reading some of his lyrics. So we'll see what happens there. Um, not the episode, not, I didn't think I was going to talk about that, but I, I mentioned him, so I figured I would. So I want to go over these really quick. And, um, the, this is from Elisa Childers, I believe her name is. And she wrote an article called the five signs your church might be heading towards progressive Christianity. And I think these are actually really good. These are some really good, um, 
ways of pointing out the we you know there's buzzwords and buzz actions I guess that you say hey wait what's going on here and these ones are pretty clear and I thought the first one is probably in all honesty as soon as this one happens the rest follow um, and the number one is a lowered view of the Bible I think once the Bible is lowered to a a human book. Uh, once people are disagreeing with the Apostle Paul on issues, we talked about that with Beth Moore, um, the Bible condoning uh, immorality, or so we're obligated to reject what it says in certain places, or the Bible can, does the Bible really contain or just have portions of the Word of God? When you start hearing these things, I would say run for the hills, okay? Number two, feelings are emphasized over facts. I felt pretty bad about that statement, but, um, you know, I don't think homosexuality is a sin because I have friends that are homosexuals. Things like that. Essential Christian doctrines are now open for reinterpretation. As John Pavlovitz, who is the absolutely disgusting progressive author, said, quote, There are no sacred cows in progressive Christianity. Tradition, dogma, and doctrine are all fair game because they all pass through the hands of flawed humanity. That is not what the Word of God says, and you are a heretic, my friend. Number four, historic terms are now redefined. God wouldn't punish sinners because he is love. I just heard this one, and we're going to be going over that on Monday uh, for our show for Good Fight Radio. Uh, Sure, the Bible is authoritative, but we misunderstood it for the first 2,000 years of church history. Um, These are some great examples. I think she really did a great job in this article. I encourage you to check it out. And the last one, she said, the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. Oh, If that doesn't line up with Sean King being number eight on the list of Christian leaders, I don't know what would. Uh, Man, I I think we're going to have to eventually do an entire thing on critical theory and critical race theory um, once I fully get a good good grasp on the subject. Because I've been studying it now for about six months, but I like to really dig in before I deliver any truths. Uh, about it and some of the dangers thereof. But um, I love to talk about that and get more get deeper into that. But, but guys, I really want to encourage you guys to love on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold God's word at, at, high, at a high view of Scripture. Make sure you're not falling by these false teachers. And make sure you're not falling into sin. And, and make sure you, with all diligence in your face, apply moral excellence. And your moral excellence, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, and all those things that Second Peter chapter 1 tells us to do. And I, I just I pray that you be encouraged by this today. And I just, I'm so excited to have you guys here as all the listeners have been uh, really awesome in what they've been writing us and telling us and their encouragement. And uh, I just pray you seek him with all your faith in Jesus name.